0: This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for
1: free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast and find out about events and training in your area.
2: Hello and welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Anna Hawkin. I'm your host and the ministry lead here at Parenting for Faith. Uh, This is episode six of season four, and we're going to be chatting today to Richard Shorter, the non-perfect dad, love him already, Um, about playing sport, kids playing sports, uh, success and failure, how we equip them well for that. So that's something really to look forward to. If you are listening to this on the day that it comes out on the 18th of October, uh, then you can listen to our Facebook live for parents and carers tonight on Handling Halloween. As usual, it's age specific. So eight o'clock if you've got under fives, 8.30 for five to elevens and nine o'clock if you've got preteens or teenagers. If you can't join us tonight, feel free to send any questions in advance um, and we are going to... Produce that as a special podcast, a bonus podcast episode for half term. So if you'd like to listen and catch up, uh, you'll be able to do it. If you make sure that you are subscribed to the Parenting for Faith podcast, that will make sure that it pops onto your phone or wherever else you listen to podcasts. But today, this week is very, very exciting because we have a new book to launch. This Friday, the 21st of October, Parenting Teens for a Life of Faith will be available to buy uh, so this is Rachel Turner's latest book. I was going to tell you which one. We're on about 10 or 11 uh, that she's written now. And this is just going to be such a useful um, extra book to have to your collection, whether you've got teenagers now or you're looking a little bit down the track, wanting to get ready for that. It's all the key tools, all the things that you know and love about Parenting for Faith already, but specifically applied to teenagers and preteens, thinking about what this looks like for them There's a bit on um, the teenage brain and how that works. And it goes into a lot more detail about how to give them um, a sense of purpose and give them confidence. So you really want to get a hold of that. We'll post a link in the show notes. Uh, We know loads of you have been asking for that and are really desperate to know when it's ready. So it is this Friday, the 21st of October. And then a little bit further down the track, we have got the Big Give coming up. Now, you may or may not have heard of the Big Give. It's um, an initiative that runs... Uh, before christmas so from the 29th of november to the 6th of december and during this crucial week every donation will have twice its value you can double your money so many of you know at parenting for faith we're a ministry that entirely runs um, on your generosity on your donations and for this one week only we've got an amazing opportunity that everything that you give will be doubled So you give us a tenner, we get 20 quid. And I'm spelling it out now, but I'm I'm not great at math. It is exciting and it's kind of unbelievable. And it will make a massive difference to what we're able to do going forward. And I mentioned that Parenting Teens book. We would love to create a course to go with it that people can download or run as a church or do on their own. We know there's a need for that, Um, but we need to raise the funds to do it. So um, pop that in your diaries, if you don't mind, uh, or if you're doing your budgeting for Christmas, if you're able to set aside whatever you can give, we're grateful for every donation, small or large. Um, But just a little heads up that that's coming down the track. And I will remind you a little bit nearer the time. Uh, But for now, let's hand over to Becky and Richard.
1: Hi, it's Becky here from the Parenting for Faith team. And I'm here with Richard Shorter, who goes by the non plume, the non-perfect dad, so I was wondering, Richard, if you could tell us all about that. Hello, Becky. It's great to join
0: you. Um, well, the, the the short story is I was a church minister working in a needy area, needed to start a bivocational bit of income, had done lots of parenting work with the local authority as our church, wanted to start a parenting coaching business, parenting consultancy mm-hmm. for local authorities, Started the business, wondered what to call myself, looked at all my competition and all the parenting uh, coaches and gurus out there. And they all had on their websites such brilliant photos of them and their children looking pristine and perfect. And I just (laughs) thought, that is not me. I would have to bribe my kids with a mountain of ice cream and chocolate to sit anywhere for a good photo. So I just just thought I'd be honest and just call myself the non-perfect dad because Mm -hmm. I just think... Who wants an obnoxious parenting coach with a perfect looking family saying, yeah. let me tell you how to raise your kids? So, yeah, hence non-perfect dad. And it does mean when my kids say to me, you're a rubbish dad. How can you be a parenting coach? I'm like, well, look what it says on the website. I haven't lied to anybody. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. No lies. But your specialism, well, we've invited you here today to talk about sport. Mm, yes. So one of my big passions, I know it's equally one of yours. And I, my first question is, what does God think about sport? Well, I, one of my favorite videos
0: is of dolphins surfing and playing in the surf in South mm-hmm. Africa and just that playfulness and we've had two dogs over the time and their playfulness. and I think when you look at creation there's just tons of playfulness play for play's sake not just uh, for anything else other than just that adrenaline buzz of play and, and so I think sport is part of our created nature part of part yeah, of yeah. The, the world's created nature but I think sport is part of our created nature that we um we were designed for play and as human beings we like processes systems and laws and rules and so we've mm-hmm. kind of systemized that into a bunch of different sports that different people get excited about um but yeah I, I don't think I think God loves playfulness and so I think sport is a is a direct reflection of that
1: well, personally, I'm really hoping that when we get to heaven, I'll be able to play netball again. Just saying, <laughs> <laughs> I really like a big netball court in the middle. Um, so, another, we often hear um, one of the things we want to encourage our kids: like you're a Christian kid, you're in this sporting environment that's you know not overtly Christian, not particularly anything, but you are a Christian. You know, sometimes you hear stuff about being role models. You're a Christian. This is how do you be a Christian in sport? What's that look like? That's a great question,
0: because I think that it's actually not that easy to answer because, I, I, you know, at early level when they're young and they're getting involved, you'd want to talk about being a good sport. You'd want to mm-hmm. talk about um, being fair. You'd want to talk about being respectful to the opposition and the officials. You'd want to talk about doing your best and using your good, being a good steward of your God given talents. And I think that's okay when they're getting into sport, as they get better at sport, I think that yeah. that actually becomes trickier because sport at the top level has a selfishness nature to it. There are gray areas of rules that are to be explored. Um, and so, you know, non-perfect dad now, sorry to kind of name drop, but now has this bonkers privilege of working in professional sports environments like Manchester city and England cricket and England rugby. And so I, I'm, have the privilege of working with parents and young people in those pathways. And I will bump into Christians in that pathway because I say mm-hmm. to people, I'm still a church minister. And um, and yes, that's where the kind of grayer questions are at how do you how does your character and following of Jesus match up with Um, the challenges of sport I I still think by being a good sport I I still think by being coachable I still think by having bucket loads of integrity um, and I I still think by surrounding yourself with good people um, to enable you to bring the best out of yourself but I think in those pathways recognizing that that's actually quite tricky for a young person to balance those things
1: yeah because just uh, the pathways of course are the kind of like the emergent elite level, isn't it? So when you're yes. young, you get onto the pathway, and then the pressure starts, isn't it? Mm, it does. From coaches and parents are not immune to that, are they? No, when mm-hmm. I speak to you, Our kids I want to. <laughs> Yes.
0: And when I speak to young people at all levels, I mean, I do mainly work in what we might call elite pathways, but I do still get the occasion to go and do some work at like, your grassroots sports club. Mm-hmm. And at all levels, when you ask kids, what are the things that parents do that are unhelpful, put pressure on us is is often a strong dominant narrative. And it's a well-meaning pressure. I think most sports parents, we have a caricature of the sports parent on the sideline, screaming instructions, and those parents definitely exist. but. <laughs> But the majority of sports parents are good people, and their well-meaning intention is to see their child thrive and 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 enjoy this experience. But accidentally, some of the conversations that we have with our children around that then land up putting them under loads of pressure. Whether they're in the Manchester Uniteds or in the third, team, third school third team, parents want their kids to do well, and in the car journey to or from sport, accidentally pile perhaps unhealthy pressure on your children.
1: Yeah, that's. That's a big thing for us to remember. It's still play, isn't it? Totally.
0: And if they are going to succeed, they need to love it as well. So you can't crush that out of them.
1: Yeah. So I remember um, I've got a very sporty younger sister, uh, one school year younger than me, and we both went up for county hockey trials when I was about 14. She got in, I didn't, and I was bitter and twisted for quite a long time.
0: Sorry, and, there might um, still be a little bit of that. But. Yeah,
1: just a little bit. I have fully accepted that she's the better sportswoman. Now we're both too old to do anything. It's, it's easier. Um, so really, yeah, how can we, particularly with our Christian heads on, um, help kids navigate this like trickiness of being selected, not being selected, being mm. dropped, or if they go on and they put on a really bad performance that they know they have, what... How can we navigate that world with them? How because what we want them to do is learn from that and, and to learn who God is in that. And well, that's... I think if
0: I was talking to like a, kind of a standard audience, I would say that I think sport offers kids some of the best feedback on where they're at as human beings. That mm-hmm. sport, sport, the that that competitive element of a game means that you you learn a lot about yourself. You, yeah. you you're failing. Um, especially if it's an individual sport, or a time sport, you're failing, you're having to deal with teammates, you're having to deal with a coach, you're often having to deal with adults whose emotions aren't equal because adults get excited, I think unhelpfully at times, or well, <laughs> hopefully a lot of times, but you're having – so so sport gives you really a huge chunk of feedback as to how you're yeah. doing as a human being, and some of that's really – encouraging and some of that's a bit challenging and the beauty of sport is you get to redo it all a week again later so it's not like your end of school end of year tests or whatever where you've been studying for a subject all along and then you you have the big one that lets you know how you're doing actually sport offers a very intense feedback on how you're doing at life really <laughs> because yeah. it's so full of such complex relationships and it obviously gives you feedback on how you're doing on that specific sport, but, but a lot of what you're experiencing mirrors that. And so as Christians, I would say, actually, it gives you a little bit of a feedback on your discipleship as well mm-hmm. and, and how you're doing as a person and how your character is forming and where your character strengths are ter- being turned up too noisily, where you need to kind of get a bit more confident um, and, and, and so, certainly for my own children in their sporting journey, I've loved what sports talk them about themselves. But I love the opportunities to talk about what it is to be a Christian in life, and how sport actually offers the best feedback. And as someone who's done youth work his entire life, it's often the game of Ultimate Frisbee at youth group, you start to see the cracks in young people. You'll see the young person storm off and you're like, ah, there's something going on this week because they're not... You know, when you're sitting down calm and quiet or doing a church service, you can't tell that. But yeah. you get the kids play sport and all of a sudden you'll start to see stuff express itself in their behaviour that maybe was different last week or different to a month ago that you can kind of say, that's brilliant, I've noticed this. Or are you all right? What's going on? And that actually yeah. it gives, you, gives you a chance to 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 see that. So I, I would that's why I would encourage all all churches to be playing with each other a lot more in all not just organized sport, but I think play does just give us an insight into where we're at, but competitive play offers that feedback. And so to loop back around to your question, how do you do it as a Christian? I think, I think it's what elements of discipleship, what bits of becoming like Mm -hmm. Jesus, does sport give us that opportunity? Well, it gives us the opportunity to think about the other. It gives us the opportunity to handle bumps in the road. I mean, Mm -hmm. the, 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 The journey with God is highs and lows and sport offers (laughs) plenty of highs and lows. So it does offer us as parents the opportunity to journey with our kids. And we soon learn that just giving them glib advice or saying it doesn't matter or whatever doesn't actually help. You know, so as parents, it hones our listening skills. It hones our own empathy. It hones helping our children be honest about where they're at and make good. Or it does the opposite, because I see plenty of parents, Christians or not, blame the ref, blame the coach, blame the opposition, blame the pitch, blame the weather. So in some ways, it's not just a reflection of where the child is at, it's actually a good reflection of where you're at as a human being as well. And I think we probably live in a slightly more Victim ma- mindset culture than we've done in in generations before. Mm-hmm. So, trying to help us get out of that, blaming others and being a bit self reflective, but also just to receive care. You know, when you lose after sport, one of the skills is to receive care, and one of the skills for us as parents is to give care in a way that isn't patronising or horrible. So for me, that's like, what do you want to eat? What do you want to listen to on the music? That sucks. Mm-hmm. Rather than that trying sucks, to give advi- yeah. that, rather than trying to give advice and put correct everything because you soon learn as a parent in the car after sport that that only creates more anger and resentment it doesn't actually solve anything
1: yeah they need you to sit in the hole with them for a bit don't they oh totally that's a great phrase yes exactly yeah so uh, one of the things that uh, parent of faith we talk about is that um you know daily gods transforming us, and i'm not finished yet And I, when i first heard that phrase like, that's really helpful for my every day mm. it's the same in sport isn't it we're not finished every but you're right. It's like it's such an intense mini world in a sense, isn't it? You know, you get thrown into the furnace every week. Well, you talk about like, let's take forgiveness, one of the key
0: tenets of our faith. You've got to forgive others. You need to forgive yourself and you need to accept forgiveness. And actually, sport is, is a pretty hard bench line if you're really connected to it for, for doing that, because mm. you do need to forgive yourself for the mistakes you made. You might need to forgive others um And you might need to receive forgiveness from your teammates, and you might realise. And and so, where else do we practice? So this is why I'm so pro sport in churches. Is because where else do we practice some of this stuff live with with kids? I mean, it's it becomes. And that's why play at home is also it's massively important because we're just giving our kids. And look, I'm not saying we're playing tennis. In the, we don't have a tennis court in the back garden. Bad example, badminton in the back <laughs> garden, or whatever. And And, you know, one sibling upsets the other and that's the time for a dad lecture on forgiveness because my kids will say dad's lecturing us, dad's giving a sermon and and naff off. They won't they won't care and listen. But it is an opportunity when people calm down to go. Did you mean those things you said? No. What do you need to do? You need to go and say sorry. Mm -hmm. How how do you receive that? How might you handle it differently next time? Just little questions like that.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah. There's sometimes a nastier side of sport, isn't there? Sometimes we're watching it. There's a lot of headlines about racism Mm. and stuff. So kids might be watching sport and seeing some of this stuff that's really unpleasant. Um, You know, there's a a great deal of pressure. Um, We read about some of it in more sports, some sports more than others, you know, the sort of coaches pressure, inappropriate pressure. Um, You also get just in any, you get the clickiness, don't you? The kids are in and the kids are out. How do we help our kids um, with that side? the derogatory marks or stuff like that, the nastiest stuff. What advice have you got for parents?
0: Great question. Them? I mean, I think, thankfully, as I work with lots of national governing bodies now, I, I see them all taking a far more proactive stance mm. on a lot of this, a lot of these issues. Now. Not all do, and, and I would be very honest to say, not all are perf- anywhere near perfect on it. Some of them have got a long way to go. and I think... Um, you know, let's be honest, the church has had an issue with safeguarding in the past. And so we've had to put our house in order. So in some ways, it's actually the church. When I yeah. go into some of these places, the church tends to be a bit further ahead in good practice than some sporting institutions do. But the same the same with the church, if it's really at the very nasty end, then you report it. I mean, it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, every club should have a welfare officer. In fact, we're talking this week in Safe in Sport Week. It's National Safe in Sport Week where the NSPCC okay. have a bunch of resources. Um and, and so it's, 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 it's imperative that, that we do not um, allow poor practice to invade our child's space. And depending on their age depends on how we handle that. And depending on the issue depends on how we handle that. So, for example, the pressure from coaching, I would always encourage my children to go and talk to their coaches first, because I think that's a skill that young people need. They need to learn mm-hmm. to go and have difficult conversations. If they're petrified of that coach, then I might go with them. If they're super petrified of that coach, well, then they'll probably bringing in the welfare person because that's tipped over. You, you know, if they can't go and talk at all, then there's clearly a significant welfare issue going on there. I, I think, again, in similar way to play, sport does reflect society. So there are some some uglier, darker parts to it. And it does yeah. give us the opportunity to talk to our children about that. It gives us the opportunity to help our children think about what issues they're going to stand on. Um, yeah. You know, particularly, uh, I would say in the last five years, we've seen a significant change in both the profile of kicking racism out of sport and the number of campaigns. Um, And we've seen a a massive increase in the profile of women's sport. Um, Both of these are to be celebrated that there's been Mm. an increase in both of these. So I think it adds to a good conversation around at home, around how we support these, what are we going to advocate? What do we think is acceptable? What do we not? Unfortunately, top level sport is high pressure. That is, that is the reality of it. And sporting pathways are getting young people ready to take part in high-pressure environments. So um, Newcastle Folkens, who I've done a bit of work with, they will get their academy kickers to come out at half-time when the stadium's full and practice kicking in front of a full stadium. So it's it's great fun, but they're also starting to experience pressure and a crowd jeering at them and cheering them on. That's a good example of a well-manufactured high-pressure moment. Manchester United, um, their academy under-13s will play another academy under 15s but who are less of a standard but far more physical than them but they will spend a couple of weeks prepping them so that they understand the challenges that are going to come basically you're going to get kicked around the park for an hour and you're probably going to lose to I was going to name a team it doesn't you know a team far lower (laughs) down the league system careful Richard a team far lower down the league system but that is deliberate pressure structure and I think the part of me is that dad wants to welcome that. I want to see my kids put under pressure and I want to see that pressure coached into our children. The challenge is if it's, if it's that kind of old school Sergeant major run a hundred laps, do as I say, don't question it, don't challenge it. And it's not supported. So those two examples I have given you, there are very highly supported examples of kids being put under pressure in a healthy way. We're going to challenge you. This is what it's going to look like. This is probably what it's going to feel like. And this is how we're going to support you afterwards. Um, So I don't think we need to be afraid of that pressure, particularly if children are good at their sport. And let's remember the percentage you make it in any sport is is minute. Very, very tiny. But um, I just think that's an excellent opportunity. But two of my children have been in a pretty decent level in their sports and yes, it's high pressure, but I just talk to them about who's the best coach and why. What are you learning? Mm-hmm. Go and get as much from these experiences as possible. Go and make as many friends in these experiences as possible. Go, you know. So, so I think for me, in that those high pressure moments, how do you help them learn? How do you help me help me gain yeah. from it? And in the uglier side, yeah, it, it is. It is the challenge for us as to how to teach our children to have a. Again, it's an opportunity to practice the moral backbone of our faith that, that is important to us. And I guess ultimately as a parent, withdrawing your child from that environment is always an option, even if the child yeah. perceives to love it or perceives to want it. Don't keep your child in an environment that you think is unsafe. I mean, try and challenge it, but if you've challenged it, it's still unsafe. Take them out. Find something else or find another club. Yeah. Hard as it is, but that is ultimately. Yeah.
1: I've got one more sticky question, but before we do... Um can you name us some great Christian role models in sport? Because I think it's all really great for kids to see, in whatever environment they're in, whatever their interests are. These are Christians who have, are operating authentically in that environment. That's a great question. Do you know what? None come to my ha- mind off the top of my head. Isn't that awful.
0: I should have looked. Not just it me. Up. <laughs> it's no. But but do you know what? I'm I'm very grateful. My son goes to the Christians in Sport summer camp, and they have lots. Uh, given oh, okay. examples of there and I would love to give them a plug because for the, for those kids who are involved in sport and church my son has certainly loved their summer camps so they run they, camps for every ability they uh they run camps for if your child is representing the school and up basically oh, so awesome. so 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 they're a reasonable standard they're not beginners but they're a reasonable standard they run them all over the country they're residential summer camps they they have really good clear christian messages in the evenings but they offer that and they will talk about lots of good um christian role models in that context um that's awful that i don't know any off the top of my head isn't it you've got me there that's gonna be my homework from this podcast but actually to
1: go and look look at for christians in sport is really helpful i think
0: yes yes and they they have lots of good testimonies um jason robinson was was the one that I grew up. He doesn't play anymore, but when I grew up, he was, you know, he was active in his church. the Marla two rugby players, and they mm. were, they were both. And also there is an Australian high jumper who has just broken the world record. I think she won Commonwealth Gold. She gave a brilliant testimony about her faith and the challenges of her faith. Um, so that's, I can't remember her name. I'm rubbish with names, sorry. Everyone, we can Google her. Like, we can Google Give us enough clues. That, that you could, because her, her testimony around that competition was superb. Absolutely superb.
1: Okay, the final question. It's the one we all want to know the answer to. <laughs> Sunday sport, shall we or shan't we? Oh,
0: um, okay. So confession time. We led a pioneering church that didn't meet on a Sunday, which meant that... I know my kids could play sport on a Sunday because we were doing church midweek. We did say to our kids, "You can't go and do sport when we're meeting." So that's the tension. <laughs> now I've now moved. I'm now a minister at Minister Baptist Church. We are back to doing churches on Sunday, and my youngest daughter now wants to be playing hockey, and we've said she can do it once a month. So, but I want to be very clear. That's what, what our standard is. I think there are two things to bear in mind. Um, probably three, probably four or five by the time I finish this. W- one is is how much are your kids plugged into the church outside of the Sunday meeting. Yeah. So so I think that's, just, so if they've got faith community, if there's a really good youth group where they get the opportunity to encounter God, pray, read the Bible, mm-hmm. then is does Sunday mornings need to be protected? Um, I think that's the first question. Secondly, um, I think when they're younger, it's really tricky if they want to try something and that only happens on a Sunday. Yeah. But I think there are ways around that. Uh, And I think there is something special about going to church as a family that Mm -hmm. that is important. But I would like to counter that that if they get good at their sport and these pathways we've talked about, yes, the percentage you get through at the top is very small, but there are large numbers of kids in pathways. A lot of that will happen at weekends or on Sundays. And I guess that's up for a personal family decision as to whether you decide that they can't take part or they can take part in that. We made the decision that, yes, if our kids are in a pathway and it clashes on a Sunday they can take part in that pathway because that's their dream. And um, we know that they're committed to the church. I think it, uh, sorry to kind of take a little bit of sitting on the fence, but I do think it's like almost case by case. It's up to the family. I I do think though that my children have benefited from us having a slightly tough line at certain points. I know I wasn't allowed Mm. to play rugby as a child on a Sunday morning and I hated that. Looking back Mm. now, has it made a major difference to my life? Not really. I, I'm still of faith. My siblings less so, and they weren't allowed to play sport on a Sunday. But then, when they got good, they were allowed to. So I never got good, so I was never allowed to. But the but the, the um I th- I, the other thing I think is just keep talking to your churches because I think sometimes churches are like, no, just don't play sport on a Sunday. And um oh, that's, sorry, that's my alarm going off. Um some uh, so what was i saying so some churches are very anti-sportless so that's fine that's that can be their theological reasoning um but but i think whether that's your reasoning or not keeping an open conversation with those families is what are you going to do and then if you're a church leader listen to this i would say get creative we have uh cubs beavers and scouts group connected to our church they come to our all-age services but we know loads of parents say oh it's football 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 on Sunday morning so we are now starting next Sunday we have got um uh, a service it would be harvest but this probably will go out after it won't it but it's you know harvest Sunday we we're doing at four o'clock in the afternoon to try and catch some sporting families I know of a church um down in Seven Oaks that run a Sunday afternoon sports service. So it is for families who have been to sport in the morning and they run that in the afternoon and they get 40, Mm -hmm. 50 uh, people along who wouldn't normally come to church, but who who kind of, who wouldn't normally come to church anyway, but they've started joining this. So I think there are creative ways of kind of managing that tension. I think ultimately it's up to each family. I would say to the parents, if you're not then going to church as a result, how do you keep your own faith going? How do you yeah. plug into, yeah. what are you plugging into that's good for you? Because that's when the drift happens. If you and your kids aren't going anymore, then what is your what is yeah. the anchoring into the story would be my advice. But I think that's really subjective. I want to hold that very lightly, Becky. I, I wouldn't say that. And like I say, we were able to cheat for 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 a long time, because of the way we did church. Now we're back to doing church in a more traditional structure. We're having to be a bit more mindful of that challenge.
1: Yeah, but we, you know, we like to say uh, every family's unique. Yes. And you know your own kids. I have a little confession that when my daughter seven, she like to play rugby, which was on a Sunday, exactly the same time as church. I'm like, you can go, because I knew full well when it got to November and it was wet and muddy, she won't want to. So, <laughs> absolutely true. The first really freezing cold Sunday morning, she came back and said, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So, but uh, I'm not sure it would be something she loved. I think it would have been a different conversation. So, yeah. yeah but Richard, it, is, it's been it is tricky good talking to you. It's been really thank good. Thank I, I could do sport all day. I could talk sport all day, but um, I don't think our listeners are going to want to listen to me all day. So, thank you very much. It's been great talking to you.
0: Thank you very much.
2: As usual, we have a question to ask your kid to spark an interesting conversation. This week it's this. What sport do you think Jesus would have played? Ask your kids. Have a great conversation. Uh, have a wonderful half term if that's a thing in your life. And we will be back with episode seven after half term. Bye.